Well, let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your presence here this morning. We thank you for the sweetness of your spirit. We thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. Lord, we just thank you today. You're worthy of our praise and our adoration. You're worthy of our worship. I thank you that you inhabit the praises of your people. I thank you that you've promised where two or three are gathered in your name, you're right there in the midst. So we welcome you here. We're grateful and thankful that you are here. Lord, if you weren't here, we wouldn't be here. There'd be no reason to come here. You're the reason, Lord. And we thank you. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for the moving of your Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you that you know each one of our needs. You know our each, each of our concerns. You know our fears. You know the uncertainties of our life. You have a plan. And Father, we thank you that the steps of a righteous man are ordered of God. We thank you for that. And we pray, Lord, that you would continue to bless this time. We do ask, as Victor prayed, Father, that you would anoint your word. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would teach us. That you would bring back to our remembrance those things that our Lord has taught. That we be drawn closer to you. Father, I ask and pray that this morning would be a turning point in the lives of your people. Lord, I pray that your word would be heard in a real way. I pray, Father, that emotions wouldn't get in the way this morning. I pray, Father, that you would speak by your Holy Spirit your words that are true and everlasting. And pray that you would build our lives on that foundation. And when the rains come and the winds blow and beat upon that house, it stands. And I thank you for that. And so, Lord, we commit ourselves to you right now. The remainder of this service, we ask that you would speak to us. We ask, Lord, that we would hear you. And most importantly, Lord, we ask that you would help us to be doers of your word. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 14. If you have a bulletin, um, there was no title for this morning's message. And it just says 14 slash 15. And the plan was to finish chapter 14 and move into chapter 15. But yesterday afternoon, the Lord told me, you're not going into chapter 15. Um, I couldn't get away from one verse and the rest of chapter 14. And so what I want to do this morning, with the Lord's help, is I want to read through the remainder of this chapter, maybe hit on a few things. But do something that I normally don't do, and that's spend the remainder of our time together focusing on one verse. And so this morning is going to be more of a topical, I guess, message. I don't know really what it's going to be. Um, I'm going to find out as you find out. I, um, I have spent a lot of time meditating and praying through many, many scriptures 
relating to this one verse. Um, and we'll just see. We'll just see what, uh, what the Lord has to say. It's kind of one of those things. So hopefully nobody's going, oh, gee, wow. Um, yeah. I spent all the way up until last night saying, okay, Lord, I mean, you know, uh, I know, I know what the Lord wants to say this morning. I have no idea how he's going to say it. And um, so we'll just see. So in John chapter 14, I just want to read through the remainder of the chapter. We left off at verse 27, which is going to be our verse today. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Ye have heard how I said unto you, I go away and come again unto you. If ye loved me, ye would rejoice. Because I said, I go unto the Father. For my Father is greater than I am. And now I have told you before it come to pass, that when it is come to pass, you might believe. I'm telling you beforehand. So that when it happens, you'll know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that it didn't just happen that you would believe. Hereafter, I will talk much with you. I will not talk much with you, rather. For the prince of this world cometh. That's Satan, the devil. And he says, and hath nothing in me. The prince of this world comes. He's going to have his way, he thinks. But he has nothing in me. No hook, no lure, no ties whatsoever. He has nothing in me. He can't touch me. I have nothing to do with him. He has nothing to do with me, Jesus says. But that the world may know that I love the Father. And as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do. He says, guys, I'm going away. If you loved me, you would rejoice about it. You would absolutely rejoice. Why? Because I'm going back to my Father. And He's greater than I am. And He says, As my Father's given me commandment, even so I do. And then He says, Arise, let us go hence. And from this moment, the break between chapter 14 and 15, Jesus is making His way to the Garden of Gethsemane. The remainder of what we're going to study, Lord willing, next week, is Jesus' conversation with his disciples as he makes his way down past the temple through the Kidron Valley and to the Garden of Gethsemane. Real interesting, amazing teachings that we're going to get into, but I could not get away from. Verse 27. The Lord just wouldn't let me get away from it. We live in... I guess, and we could say this at any era of time, we live in troubled times. We live in uncertain times. Many people are faced with uncertainties on a regular basis. I know of people within this body who are facing uncertainty, who has, they have no idea what to expect on the horizon. And so Jesus says this, and, 
like I said, I, I studied through chapter 15, and I couldn't get past this verse. And the very first thing that Jesus says is this. The first word where we pick up in our study today is peace. I'm not going to try to pronounce it in the Greek, but it's the equivalent in the Hebrew to shalom. It means harmony. It means tranquility. It also means safety, wholeness, and health. It's a, it's a state of rest and contentment. It's a very important word, this word shalom, to the Jew. You and I say hello, and we say goodbye. When the Jews meet God's people, they say shalom. When they leave and depart, they say shalom. They don't say hello and goodbye, they say shalom. And Jesus is saying shalom. He says peace, this word peace. And I want to talk about peace today. I want us to spend some time focusing on this, this word, what it means, and what it means to us. We spend a lot of time talking about a lot of different words in the Scripture and characteristics of God and blessings of God. We don't spend a lot of time talking about peace. And I think many believers don't spend a lot of time experiencing it. And so today, with the Lord's help, I want to I talk about this. And I want to talk about what this is and why it is and how it, how it is that we can live this way. Because every heart in this room longs for and desires peace. We all want it. We long for it. And Jesus says right here, peace. He says to these disciples, tranquility, wholeness, safety, health, rest, contentment. He says, peace. He wants us to experience. He wants us to have peace. And this is, this is not something new. In, in Numbers chapter 6, I want to read something to you. Numbers chapter 6, verse 22, it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto Aaron and unto his sons, saying, On this wise ye shall bless the children of Israel. He says, tell Aaron and his sons, the priests, I want them to bless my people. I want them to bless them. And this is the blessing that I want them to bless them with. Verse 24. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you. Literally, to smile upon you. And give thee peace. As God's people would come to the the tabernacle, this was the blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord be gracious. The Lord make His face shine upon you. The Lord give you peace. 
the Lord give you peace. That's the blessing. Way back in the Old Testament, when God established worship in the tabernacle, He says, I want the priests to bless my people, and part of that blessing is peace. I want them to experience peace. In the New Testament, you can't read an epistle without grace and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Constantly, it was grace and peace. God said over and over again, I want you to experience, I want you to have peace. Psalm 29 Verse 11, David says this, The Lord will give strength unto His people. The Lord will bless His people with peace. David says the Lord will strengthen His people, and the Lord will bless His people with peace. One of my favorite verses, Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith God. Thoughts of peace. We're told in another place in the scripture that God's thoughts are innumerable of us. He's constantly thinking about us. And Jeremiah tells us that those thoughts are thoughts of peace. Peace. Now I think it's important for us to remember who it is that is breathing this word this morning. If you have a red letter edition Bible, this word is in red. And Jesus is saying to his disciples, peace. Peace. He says, peace I leave with you. Now, guys, I'm about to leave, he says. I'm going away. Now, he's in our last study, he says, I'm going to go away, but I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm going back to the Father, and he, I'm going to pray, and he's going to send the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, who is going to abide with you forever. He's been with you. He's going to be in you. I'm not going to leave you orphans. I'm not going to leave you fatherless. I'm not going to leave you comfortless. The Holy Spirit is going to abide with you. I'm going to the Father. But notice what he says. Guys, I'm about to check out. I'm about to go back to my Father. When we get to chapter 17, Jesus prays, Father, glorify me with the the glory that I had with you in the beginning. He says, but I tell you what's not going with me. My peace. I'm going to leave that here with you. I want you to think about that for a moment. He doesn't just say, hey guys, you need to have some peace. Peace out, brother. He says, peace, I leave with you. I leave it with you. I'm not taking it with me when I go. I'm about to go back to the Father, but I'm leaving peace here. As a matter of fact, in Luke chapter 1, like verse 79. When Jesus was born, the angel said, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. Peace. Well, how could that be? Just because he's born peace 
is here on earth? Well, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 tells us who He is. He is the wonderful Counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father. He is the Prince of Peace. Just like God is love, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He owns, He controls, He is over, it is His. Peace belongs to Him. And He says this to His disciples, to you and to me, I'm leaving my peace here. I'm leaving it here. I'm the Prince of Peace. It's mine to leave. It's mine to give. And I'm going to leave it right here. Hebrews chapter 7, the writer of Hebrews talks about Jesus being the priest and he talks about Melchizedek and he says he is the king of Salem or the king of peace. So this king that has come to the earth, we're going to celebrate Christmas just in a a short while. Peace on earth. Why? Because the prince of peace has come. He's the king of peace. And in Luke's gospel, I believe it's chapter 12, Jesus says, fear not, little flock, for it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. All the things that pertain to the kingdom, I'm going to leave here. I'm putting you in the kingdom, and my kingdom in you. I'm the king of peace. Now, in Romans, Paul says this. I believe it's, uh, I can't remember what chapter. In Romans, Paul says this. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. This kingdom, this king that rules this kingdom is the prince of peace. He is the king of peace. Peace belongs to him. He is able to dictate peace. And he says to his disciples, to you and to me, hey, I'm going back to the Father. Don't be sad and gloomy because of the cross. Rejoice because my Father is greater than I am. But I tell you what, I'm not going to leave my seamless robe. I'm not going to leave you my sandals. I don't have a home to give you to, to will to you. But I'll tell you what's part of my will and testament. Hey guys, I'm going to give you peace. I'm going to leave it right here. He says, peace, peace leave I leave with you. I leave my peace here. I'm not going to take it with me. I'm going to leave it here. And then he says this, my peace. My peace. My peace. He says, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. I'm not talking about peace on earth. You know how they've taken all of this or or peace, brother. Jesus is saying, I'm not talking about that kind of peace. I'm not, peace out, hang loose. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about harmony, tranquility. I'm talking about rest and contentment. Peace, I'm leaving with you. Now, I would have loved to live in the days of Christ. I would have loved to have watched Him physically. Because when I imagine Him, I do among so many other things. Imagine him to be the most peaceful human being that ever lived on the face of this planet. As a matter of fact, there's a beautiful picture 
that reminds me of that peace. If you want to turn with me to Mark's Gospel, chapter number 4. We've studied this. Mark's Gospel, chapter number 4, beginning at verse 34. Without a parable spake he not unto them. And when they were alone, he expounded all things to his disciples. And the same day, when the evening was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him, even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind. And the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. Matthew's gospel describes it with as a whirlwind. He uses a Greek word meaning seismos. It's how we measure earthquakes. This was not a little thundercloud. Hey guys, you think we ought to keep fishing? Eh, I think it's going to pass. That's not what we're talking about here. These men, avid fishermen, some of them, they knew the water. I don't, I don't see Peter as a man who got skittish when a black cloud arose. He just wasn't that kind of a guy. But he was this day. Because it was a sudden thing that took place. There was no warning. Just suddenly, out of nowhere, this wind came upon them. And it beat upon this ship, and it was being filled. This is serious stuff. This is not imaginary. This is not sitting in the rocking chair worrying about something that may or may not happen. This is in the middle of the storm. The wind's blowing, the waves are rolling, the thunder is crashing, and these men are in this ship. But I want you to see something here. And you already know the rest of the story, but verse 38 tells us, And he was in the hinder part of the ship. Jesus is in the stern, the back of the ship, where they would store the nets. What's he doing? Is is he holding on for dear life, gripping something, riding out the storm, hoping for the best, believing God for the best? No. I would have been. I'd probably been hanging over the side. (laughs) I get motion sickness. But Mark tells us that he was asleep on a pillow. Now, this pillow is probably not a pillow like you and I have. Most likely, and most scholars believe that this was a sandbag, a ballast. They They still do it today in some ships in this area. They'd put them in there to kind of, to balance out the ship. The boat. But in the midst of this, this seismos, Matthew tells us, I mean raging, howling, hurricane force type winds, water filling up the boat. And where is Jesus? Sleeping. While the thunder roars, Jesus snores. While the disciples scream, Jesus dreams. He's snoozing away. He's asleep in the hinder part of the ship in the middle of the storm. Now this is important to you and to me because Jesus is saying this to you and to me. 
Peace I leave with you. My peace. Not just any old kind of peace. You can't go to Webster or go here or go there. No, no, no. He says, this is my peace. This is the very peace that fills my being as a man. And I'm going to leave it right here for you. And not only do I leave it here for you to go, well, he left it, but, you know, I don't really know if that's for me or not. I mean, yeah, I know there's peace to be had. And I know the Lord left it. No, he says, Gordon, not only do I leave it, I give it to you. And he's saying that to you and he's saying it to me. I'm giving you peace. And not just any peace, I'm giving you my peace. Peace that will allow me, while all the guys up on deck, screaming and hollering like girls. No offense, girls. He's asleep. He is asleep. Now, some scholars try to say, oh, he's had a long day and he was tired and, you know. And it does speak of his humanity and his sleeping, but I don't know very well. I do know some people who would sleep through a storm. But he is not concerned at all. Now, is it because he doesn't care? See, because there are those people who are more prone to worry, more prone to anxiety, and those people would say, well, somebody's got to care about stuff around here. I think the disciples were of that mentality because look what happens. They awake Him. The wind doesn't wake Him up. The waves don't wake Him up. He's snoozing away. As we would say, sleeping like a baby. They wake him up and they say, Master, carest thou not that we perish? He doesn't, they don't say, are you able to do something about this? What should we do about this? They don't ask that. They don't ask, what is this? Here's what they ask. And here's why Jesus left us peace and gave us peace. Because fear and anxiety twists our thinking. It'll hinder us and it'll defeat us in a life of faith. Because here's what they ask the Lord. Do you care? What kind of question is that? To ask the Lord. Do you care? I've asked it and I'm sure you've asked it. And when we ask those type of questions, it's because we've allowed fear and anxiety to rob us of our peace. And we don't think the way that we ought to think. And we begin to doubt and question. Lord, don't you care? I'm sure that pierced his heart. How in the world could you guys ask such a question? Do I care? Well, what does he do? Ah, get a bucket. Get a bucket. Tie up that sail. Hey, pull that down. Hey, he doesn't do that. Well, Gordon, in the middle of the storm, you got to do something. Got to act. Survival of the fittest. Have you ever been compelled? That's what they're doing. They're running around. (gasps) Jesus, wake up! Verse 39 tells us he arose and he rebuked the wind 
And he said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And there was a great calm. Jesus says, Peace, I leave with you. My peace. I'm, I am blown away of all the things that he could give me and you. And he gives us so many things. But he literally has given me his peace. This kind of peace. This kind of peace. Where people more skilled than him as it pertains to fishing and ships and boats. He was a carpenter. He was not a fisherman by trade. He didn't grow up on the water like Peter, James, and John. These men who were trained and skilled and had been taught probably by their fathers, who had been in storms many, many times, they were afraid for their life. What does he do? He just arises and he just says, Peace, be still. And then he says this, Why are you so fearful? What a question. I believe he would ask you and me the same question today. Why? Have you ever stopped to contemplate what you're afraid of today? Probably not, because see, most of the time we get caught up in it. It becomes like a steamroller. It's like a snowball. Before you know it, it takes me over. And then I'm thinking, do you care? Do you not see? Do you not know? Wake up. There's no need for panic. There's no need for all of that. Because the Prince of Peace is on board. The King of Peace. The one who controls peace. Now now we need to stop thinking that circumstances control peace. We need to stop thinking that the enemy controls peace. Oh, he, he took it from me today. No, he didn't. It's not his to take. Who owns it? The Prince of Peace. He's above all. There is none above him. All things are under his feet. So there's only one factor that plays between my Prince of Peace and his peace in my life. I can't blame it on my wife. I can't blame it on my boss. I can't blame it on my job. I can't blame it on the economy. I can't blame it on the president. I can't blame it on the government. Jesus says, Peace I leave with you. I didn't just throw it out there. Find it. Although we're told in the Old Testament to seek peace and pursue it. We should follow after peace. Wherever peace is, that's where we need to go. I leave this peace with you, my peace, I give it unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. He says, let not. Now before we talk about the let not, I want to stay on this idea of peace, and I want you to turn with me to Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. Because we're talking about this king, and we're talking about his kingdom. 
And we know that his kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Not recession, frustration in America. Or terrorism, swine flu in the world. It's not that. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. He is my king. I am in his kingdom. In his kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Peace. Peace is what he wants me and you to experience. He says it's his peace. He has left it here for us. And he has given it to us. And Colossians chapter 3 verse 15 says this. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. To which also ye are called in one body and be ye thankful. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. So we've got to stop thinking that peace is something that I've got to try to find. I wish I could have peace. I wish that's, that's not our circumstance. That's not our situation. Peace has been left. Peace has been given. And we're instructed in the word to let it not just be in my heart. Not just to experience it from time to time. Let the peace of God rule in my heart. How in the world am I to do that? Well, Jesus stood on the ship and he said, Peace be still. Wherever he is, is peace. Because he's the Prince of Peace. That's what his kingdom is all about. If I allow him to rule in my life, I'm allowing his peace to rule in my life. Far too many times I let fear rule my life. Far too many times I make decisions based on fears. Far too many times I make decisions based on uncertainties, speculation, anxiety. I'm trying to beat my problem to the intersection. That's the Holy Spirit's job. What I'm to do is let God's peace rule. And don't raise your hand, but I want you to ask yourself, Two questions. Why are you afraid? And are you allowing God's peace to rule your life? To rule your life. Well, you say, well, Gordon, you know, come on. Mark chapter 4, that's Jesus. And that's all great and good for Sunday school. But I'm not Jesus. You're right. You're not. I'm not. But if you're born again, He dwells in your heart. But let me just point your thoughts in another direction so that you don't walk out of here saying, well, you know, Jesus slept through the storm, but that doesn't mean that I can sleep through the storm. Yes, you can. You remember a man named Daniel? There was a decree made that you couldn't pray to any other God but bow down to the image. Well, he kept praying and he ended up in the lion's den and he slept. He slept in the lion's den. No man in his right mind sleeps in a cage of lions. And this is not Leo that the guy goes, hey everybody, takes his top hat off. That's not these kind of lions. These lions were used for execution. 
They probably missed a couple meals over the last couple days. They were licking their chops, waiting for the first piece of meat to fall down in there. And guess who falls? Daniel. And he just sleeps. And the king, the king, he, he can't sleep. He's just, he knows he's been duped into this, this, this ordinance and he, he's just worried about Daniel and he can't sleep all night. He doesn't eat and he wakes up the next morning and he opens the hatch and he, he says, Daniel, please tell me that your God came through. Oh, I'm all right, King. It's all right. In the book of Acts, the first martyr, James. James. Who would have ever thought that the first one of us to die would be James? But it's worse. It's not just James. They've got Peter. And they've got him in prison. And if something doesn't happen, most likely tomorrow, he's number two. He's next. So prayer was made at John Mark's house. The people are praying and praying and praying. Oh God, save Peter. We can't lose Peter. We've already lost James. Don't take Peter. What's Peter doing? Oh Lord, Lord. Oh, I don't know. We're told he's sound asleep. He left it, guys. Peter's living proof. Peter received it. It's the peace that sleeps through the storm. Peter was in a storm. And he was asleep. You know, the scripture tells us that the God of Israel neither sleeps nor slumbers. So there's no reason for me and him both to stay up all night. And that's biblical. David, if you want another example, in Psalm 4. Psalm 3 gives us a title that tells us that David wrote Psalm 3 when he was fleeing from Absalom. I personally believe that Psalm 3, 4, and 5 go together, although 4 and 5 doesn't tell us that. But I believe they were wrote as kind of a journal. It's, 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 night, it's morning, it's night, it's morning, and he's just kind of writing and pinning his thoughts by the Holy Spirit. And in... Psalm 4, he says this, I will now lay me down and sleep in peace. For the Lord only makes me to dwell in safety. In another place, in the Old Testament, we're told he gives his beloved sleep. He gives us peace. He gives us rest and contentment. He's left it. He's given it. It's up to me to let it rule. I'm in his kingdom. He is my king. And he's the prince of peace. So I've got a choice to make. I've got a choice to make. You've got a choice to make. We've got a choice to make. Are we going to let this peace rule? Or are we going to do the opposite of what Jesus is saying here? Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Let not your heart be troubled. There is a letting that I can choose of letting His peace rule in my heart or I can let it become troubled and afraid. And I think we have that choice far more than we realize on a daily basis. Because some of us take the world's slogans and say, oh, don't sweat the little stuff. 
And some of us might be pretty good at that. Some of us may not. But I think quite often we allow things to eat at us, things to trouble us. That word trouble there means in the Greek literally to stir up, to disturb to cause confusion. And we're told in the scripture, God is not the author of confusion. He's not trying to sneak up on me. I remember one time in my home, when my sons were little, I was hiding in a dark room in the end of the hallway. And they come coming down there unawares to me, and I jumped out. And they just, I mean, you know, just, and immediately the Holy Spirit says, don't ever do that again. And I thought, I was like, what? I've not given you the spirit of fear. And I'm like, whoa. God takes this seriously. He takes this seriously. Jesus says, don't let your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. 2 Timothy 1.7 God has not given us, believers, the spirit of fear, or a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. A spirit of fear. God's given us what spirit? Jesus has been telling us. The comforter. He's with you and he's going to be in you. And now that we're born again, he dwells in us. So the spirit of God lives in me as a Christian, as a believer. He abides in me. Christ dwells in my heart by faith. He is the very prince of peace. His spirit is there. And he is not a spirit of fear. I don't know if you ever let your imagination kind of go sometimes. I don't like dreams at night so much, but I do like daydreams because I can control them. God is not afraid of anything. There is nothing that the Spirit of God trembles at. He created it all. It's it's from His imagination. There is nothing that He doesn't know. Even the creativity that He's placed within me and He's placed within you, the will that He's given, He knows my thoughts before I think them. He knows my words before I even speak them. He knows the beginning from the end. He is not afraid. God has not given us the spirit of fear. That tells me, that tells you, that fear comes from out here. When I am afraid, I can know that it does not come from God. It does not come from God. He never wants me to be afraid. It comes from an outside influence because there's no fear in me unless I allow it to be. If the Prince of Peace is ruling in my heart, then His peace is ruling my life. His Spirit abides in me and there's no need for me to be afraid. The Spirit of God in me, number one, is a spirit of power. Jesus says... In in Acts chapter 1, ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Power, in the Greek, dunamis. It's where we get the word dynamite. Except dynamite is a destructive power. The Holy Spirit's power is a creative power. The only power that man has ever been able to create is destructive. We've created nuclear bombs. Oh yeah. And that's something to rejoice over. He's given me a spirit of power and a spirit of love and a spirit of a sound mind, the ability to think the way, and we're going to talk about that, to think the way that I ought to think, a sound mind. We're told in another place that we can have the mind of Christ and the mind of the Spirit, to think the way that He thought. 
the way that he thinks now. But he said, God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Interesting that he would say love, because in 1 John chapter 4, John deals with this love issue, and he talks about how God is love. And he goes on in chapter 4, and he says this, There is no fear in love. God is love. There's no fear in love. There's no fear in God. God's Spirit is in me. God is not afraid. Therefore, I will not fear. Oh yeah, Gordon, whatever. I have a choice. You have that choice. We have that choice. That peace has been left. That peace has been given. My grandfather was a real simple kind of a man. Was nothing fancy about him. I think I got a, a lot of his ways because I, I get complaints from my wife because I'm just vanilla. But I would buy him gifts. You need to always have a pocket knife. He's one of those guys, you got a knife? I got my pants on, don't I? You know, he's one of those kind of guys. But I would buy him gifts for Christmas. And when he died... I was helping my grandmother clean out her room and her drawers, and all of those handkerchiefs were still there. The pocket knives, still there. All of that stuff was was just there. It's like, I don't know. You know, some people say, well, that's the people who came up through the Great Depression. I don't know. I don't know what it was. But he used that old pocket knife that had been sharpened and used until there just was nothing hardly left to it. I don't know why he wouldn't throw that thing in the garbage and get get a brand new one that I had bought him, but but he didn't. But I wonder sometimes if, spiritually speaking, I'm a lot like him. Peace I leave. Peace I give. Am I going to tuck that away in my spiritual T-shirt drawer? Or am I going to use it? Am I going to experience it? Am I going to live in it? I have that choice. We have that choice. And and I don't think that the Lord is saying, I'm mad at all y'all anxious, fearful folks. He's not saying that this morning. Not at all. He's not saying, repent. He didn't do it with the disciples. He just asked them, why are you afraid? Oh, you have little faith. I believe he's asking me this question. I believe he's asking you this question. Not because he's upset at you. Not because he's upset at me. He's not saying, well, I'm going to scratch you off my list, little worry wart. He's the Prince of Peace, and He wants you to experience His peace in a real way, church, in a very tangible, real way. In a way that allow me to be at peace enough to sleep in the midst of the storm. It's important because it's in the midst of the storm. In this life, you will have tribulation. You will have trouble. But the psalmist said, the Lord delivered me from all my fears, from all of them. There is no fear in love, John says. He says, but perfect love casteth out fear. And then he tells us why it does it. Because fear hath torment. Fear is an instrument that the enemy uses against your life and mine to torment you. To torment you. 
How does that happen? I believe it happens two ways. I believe it happens first mentally. And then I believe it happens emotionally. I think there's, there's a big connection, and I'm not a big psychology guy, but I think biblically the truth could be told that there's a connection between how I feel, not necessarily physically, but emotionally, based on the way that I think. The psalmist asked himself a question. Why art thou downcast, O my soul? And then he says, hope thou in God. And then he says, I will yet praise him. Why art thou downcast? Hope thou in God. I will yet praise him. It's, he says it three different times over two psalms. So fear comes against my life, anxiety comes against my life, whether it be about my finances, about my health, about a relationship, whatever it might be. So I sit there, and I begin to think about it. And I begin to try to figure it out. Try to add it up and and let it all make sense and try to kind of get it to balance on both sides of the equation. And I rack my brain and I... And the more I think... The worse I feel, the more depressed that I get, the more troubled I become. And it's at that moment that fear moves into my life and begins to torment me. What if this? What if that? What are you going to do if this? What if that happens? Fear has torment. Now, that's a powerful word, and I want, I want, I pray that the Holy Spirit would let that really strike a chord within your soul this morning and mine. Because fear is something that we allow sometimes in our life, and we kind of excuse it away, and we explain it away, and hey, we're just human, but it's a tormentor. It wants to destroy your life, it wants to steal your joy and your peace. It's a faith stealer, it's a, it's a peace stealer. I have a choice. Let not my heart be troubled or let it be troubled. I have a choice. Let the peace of God rule or don't let it rule. And if the peace of God is not ruling in my heart, guess what is? Fear. And if fear is ruling my heart, I am tormented. And oftentimes that's why you'll find that I'm grumpy. It's not because I'm upset at you. But I'm, 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 I'm wrestling with, with, with stuff in my head. What am I supposed to do? What's what's the answer? Philippians chapter 4. Very familiar passage to us. Paul says in verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, Rejoice. Here's another thing that fear and anxiety does in my life. I watched it. It blinds me and it hinders me from rejoicing. You know, we put re in front of words, recharge. That's to bring something back to a full charge. You know, we got rechargeable batteries. Rejoice. Joy over and over And over again, rejoice always. Always. 
rejoice. See, fear wants to hinder. We call this gospel the good news. But I wonder sometimes how often I don't experience the fullness of the gospel because I'm allowing fear and anxiety and trouble within me. I'm being, I'm being stirred up on the inside. I'm being, I'm being anxious. I'm, I'm, I'm just playing it over and over again. I'm, I'm fearful. And I have a choice to let the peace of God rule in my heart. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Then he says this, verse 6, Be careful for nothing. Your translation might say this, Be anxious about nothing. Now, if you are prone to worry, if you're prone to anxiety, you kind of get a little offended by this verse. Because you're the type of person who, can I say this about fear? Most of the time, you and I get afraid because we feel out of control. And so what we tend to do is start controlling what we can control. If you know a very controlling person, you have met a very fearful person. Because fear tends to drive that to happening. And so I'm trying to... uh, Nothing? That almost sounds... That almost sounds... Wrong! (laughs) Be anxious for nothing. So we kind of get offended by the Lord. Come on. Yeah, I can understand don't be anxious because the newspaper didn't show up in the lawn at the right time. But the power bills do. And as I said earlier, somebody's got to worry about this stuff. Who taught us that? Where did we learn that? God says, be anxious for nothing. Don't be anxious about anything. Instead, here's what you can do with all that energy, that, that pent-up emotion that's, that's building in you. Here's how I want you to find a release. Not by just worrying, worrying, worrying. All that pressure is going to bust something. I mean, I, I'm not a doctor, but doctors have proved that stress kills And there have been thousands and thousands of books written. Thousands of pills prescribed. Hours of some kind of yoga and meditation and all of these things. And Jesus says to his followers, I want to leave this with you. I've experienced this for 33 years. The absolute perfect peace of God. When I stood before legion, naked and scarred, with chains hanging from his hands, when the whole city was afraid of him. And all my disciples stood as close to the shore in the boat as they could. I stood there in perfect peace, staring into the white of his eyes. When the leper come running up to me, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And everybody's going, oh. I stood there in perfect peace. And I said, I'm willing. Come here. Be clean. That's the peace. He says that I'm giving you. It's a gift. It is yours for the taking if you will receive it. If you'll receive it, here's how you can maintain it. Here's how you can stay there. Number one, rejoice. I don't feel like rejoicing. So, it's a command. But I don't know about you, but I've never rejoiced for a very long period of time 
where I didn't start feeling better. Sometimes I just don't rejoice long enough. Thank you, Lord. I didn't feel so good, so I gave up on that. No, rejoice always. And then he says, be careful for nothing, but I tell you what you do. In everything. Everything. Important word here. Because we tend to pray about the big stuff. And sometimes we don't pray until the big stuff happens. And that's okay. We've got a big God. He can handle the big stuff. But He's telling us to pray about everything. So instead of me sitting in my lazy boy worrying about something, I don't have a lazy boy. I'd like to have one. Isn't it Christmas time, honey? <laughs> instead of I'm worrying about it, I need to pray about it. And everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. See, because I'm either doing one of two things. I'm either anxious and afraid and troubled inside. And when I do that, the cloud covers me and I begin to think, God, don't you care? Or I can choose, Lord, I praise you for who you are. I'm going through a tough time, but that doesn't change who you are. You're not going through a tough time in heaven. And I just rejoice in you. Lord, you know this problem that I'm facing. You know I'm, I'm, I'm shaking like a leaf, but I'm asking you to meet this need. I'm asking you to, to help me with this. And I thank you, Lord, right now, because I can remember times that I've prayed in the past. I remember praying about this, and you answered that prayer. And I remember praying about this, and you answered that prayer. And, and you know what? You're going to answer this prayer. And I'm, I'm going to take confidence and faith in that. No, and next thing you know, <laughs> I feel pretty good. But then I walk away from the prayer. An hour passes, and those thoughts begin to creep back, and fear comes back around because he wants you to be tormented. He doesn't want you rejoicing. He doesn't want you to be, be happy. So he's going to try to torment you. He, fear is like, that, that, like your kids, if you have kids, or when you were a kid. I've got two boys, and sometimes they're constantly at each other. Hey, Mom, Mom, stop it, stop it. Don't do that anymore. Don't do that anymore. I mean it. Stop it. I mean it. Stop it. You know, it's tormenting. It's, and that's what fear does. It just keeps coming back. What if? What if? What if? What if? You know what's going to happen, don't you? You know exactly what's going to happen. You know exactly what's going to happen. You know what's going to happen. Then what are you going to do? You know what's going to happen. Fear torments. Fear torments. But Paul's telling us if we will rejoice, if we will pray, if we will give thanks, here's what will happen. Verse 7, the peace of God. Remember, it's His peace. It's His peace. The peace of God which, important, passeth all understanding. It passeth all understanding. It shall keep your hearts and your minds through your courage and your strength. No, through Christ Jesus. God's peace will keep you. But... Notice that he says it passes understanding. Now I understand why Daniel slept. Now I understand why Peter slept. Now I understand why David said, I will now lay me down to sleep in peace, for the Lord only makes me dwell in safety. I understand now. Because God's peace passes understanding. It doesn't come from understanding or with understanding. See, you and I think, But if I can just figure this out, I could get some sleep tonight. If I could make sense of this, I would have some peace of mind. If I could understand why this is happening, 
or understand what I'm supposed to do about it, I'd, 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 I'd be a lot better. God's peace passes understanding. What does that mean, Gordon? That means I can have God's peace and experience it when I have no clue, when it doesn't make sense, when I can't figure it out, and I have absolutely no answers. Storm's still raging. Storm doesn't change. But I can sleep. I can be at rest. I can be at peace. It passeth understanding. It transcends, the NIV says. It's a, it rises above it. I have peace. And then he says this. Well, for, he says, it, it'll guard my heart and my mind. You know, we're told in the Old Testament and Proverbs, guard your heart for out of it flow all the issues of life. Guard it. Let this peace guard it. Because if I get all troubled inside, I start doing, when I get tr- troubled, when we get troubled and anxious and fearful, we do stupid stuff. We treat people ways we shouldn't treat them. We make decisions we shouldn't make. We live in needless fear and anxiety when Jesus is saying, I, I left you my peace. What is he saying? He's saying, Gordon, you can live on this earth the way I did. Oh, no, come on now. You're taking it too far. No, isn't it his peace? Didn't he say it's his peace? Right here, Paul says it's the peace of God. This morning, no matter what you're going through, God's not sitting on his throne going, what am I going to do about that? How am I going to turn that out to be good? that's That's a tough one. He's not doing that this morning. He is at complete peace. And he's telling you and he's telling me that we can experience that same thing. So here's what I do. I rejoice. Okay, I feel kind of good. I prayed about it. Okay, the Lord's heard my prayer. I know that he has. I'm going to be thankful. Here comes those thoughts again. They keep coming back. They come back again. Or I watch the news again. Or whatever. He says, finally, finally. He says, this is what you do. This, finally, this is what you do. Whatsoever things are true. I love that. The first criteria of the thoughts that you and I should think as believers is truth. Well, on the news the other day, they said, what does the truth say? You know, I was thinking about what Bill O'Reilly said the other night. What does God say? All of a sudden, what, what an amazing, and I like Bill O'Reilly, but all of a sudden there's balance in my life. I'm thinking true thoughts. Notice what the second one is. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest. Interesting. See, truth is what God has already said. It doesn't change. It stays the same. Honest, though, is on my part. Am I being honest with myself, with my circumstance and my situation? Based on the truth that I know, am I being honest? Is this an honest thought? Or am I inflating it? Am I making it bigger than it really is? Or am I making, making it too little? Am I being honest? So things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely. If there be any good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Think on these things. Gordon, I just can't get that thought out of my head. Stop trying. What? Yes, stop trying. Don't think about lunch. Every one of you just thought about lunch. Replace it, is what Paul is saying. Replace it. 2 Corinthians 10.4 The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. 
casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. That's fear. It looms. It tries to, it tries to overshadow what you see of God. Bringing into captivity every thought into the obedience of Christ. In Romans chapter 8, we're told to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is what? Life and peace. To be spiritually minded. can't remember right off the top of my head. It's either in Psalms or Proverbs. No, it isn't. It's in Isaiah. Isaiah tells us, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. So here's, here's, here's the deal. God's given me his peace. It's there. I don't have to say, give me peace, give me peace. I'm, I'm, it's there. I've give, he's given it to me. The difference is what I do. I control the light switch. Dark, light, dark, light. Let not your heart be troubled. That's when I, when I let that switch be turned down and it gets dark. Everything looks more scary in the dark. All the bugs come out in the dark. You turn on the light, they run under the refrigerator. Now, some of you guys just looked at me like you never had bugs. <laughs> Whatsoever things are honest. Jesus says, peace I leave with you. On his way to the cross, he's saying, peace I leave with you. My peace. Not as the world giveth. See, the peace we experience in the world, as long as everything's going my way, I feel good. Things go bad, I don't feel good. I feel bad. God's peace is not that way. It's like joy. Happiness is what the world gives. Get up to bat. Bases are loaded. Perfect pitch. Just where I like it. Over the plate. Crap. Crowd goes to their feet. Up, up, going, going. He runs to the back fence. Jumps up. And it clears his glove. And the crowd goes, ah, And I'm happy. And then the ump hollers, and I'm no longer happy. Jesus says, I don't give you that kind of peace. I don't give you that kind of joy. It's my peace. So don't let your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. Be careful for nothing. Now, there are things that are happening in your life, things that I don't even know about. They're real deals. They're storms. Major concerns. And you don't know what's going to happen, and I don't know what's going to happen. God does. He knows exactly what's going to happen. So you have a choice to make. You have a choice as a believer how you're going to live your life. Tormented by fear, crippled by anxiety, troubled, confused, stirred up, 
Are you going to be at peace? Are you going to let his peace rule your heart, knowing that he is above all things? He is God. It's a choice. And we can make that choice this morning. We get to choose. Think about it. God is saying, Gordon, you don't have to let your circumstances rule your life. Oh, you're going to have bad ones. It's going to stink sometime. You're going to think the ship's going under, but I told you you're going over. Don't forget. See, there's that whatsoever things are true. Jesus says, let's go to the other side. Oh, Lord, we're going down. No, you're not. I said you're going over. I'm not going to be able to make ends meet. Oh, yes, yes, I am. I've been young and I've been old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken, neither God's seed, begging for bread. What does God say? Whatever's true, keep that in mind. Keep that in focus. Rejoice. Pray. Talk to God about it. All day if you have to. Be thankful. And the peace of God, which passes understanding, will, will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your peace that you have given to each one of us. It's ours. Lord, I pray that you'd help us this morning. I pray that you'd help us to let your peace rule in our hearts. Lord, life can be troubling. Times can be uncertain. And we don't know what's going to happen many times. Sometimes we think something's going to happen and it doesn't happen. Sometimes what we never thought would happen did happen. But Lord, nothing is out of your sight. Help us as your kids to let you take care of it. Lord, my sons don't worry about the troubles of my home. That's my job. They don't try to figure out how they're going to have power next month or groceries on the table. It's my responsibility. And Lord, you said take no thought for your life because that's your responsibility. We're in your hand. We're your children. And regardless to what's happening around us, you desire for us to be at peace. Because that's a characteristic of you. It's part of your nature. It's part of who you are. And you want that nature to be in us. You want it to become a part of us. We rarely think about you being at peace, but you are. And you want us to be at peace. Help us, Lord, by your Spirit to let your peace rule in our hearts. Peter tells us, casting all your cares upon him because he cares for you. This morning, Lord, those of us who are here who have been worrying, who have been troubled, who have been fearful, Lord, I pray that you'd give us the faith and the courage, the commitment this morning to cast those cares upon you. They're too big for us. You never intended us to carry them. It's your responsibility. 
and you always take care of your responsibilities. We rejoice in that. We thank you for that this morning. Father, I pray for your people this morning. Every need that's represented in this room, intervene. Move, Lord, according to your will. Work miracles. Show out in the lives of your kids, I pray. But in the meantime, help us, Lord, to rest contented in you. And may our testimony be like the woman who spoke to the prophet, it is well with my soul. We ask and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.